0: Amen. If you turn your Bibles to peace, the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 9 will begin in verse number uh, 51 this morning. We've talked over the last couple of weeks about some of the things that uh, that hinder us from being true disciples. And we looked at some of the areas uh, that the disciples were beginning to uh, to struggle with. And we talked about the disciples' battle with uh with consistency, to be able to uh, keep a consistent prayer life and a consistent daily walk with, uh, with, uh, with Jesus in their personal time uh, with God. And, um, and, then, uh, and then last week, we talked about our, uh, our battle with, uh, with pride and how just our self-centered focus can uh, always get in our way and how it's just those hard habits that we have as, as human beings when we come to a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, we know that there's areas and change, but there's so thing, some things in our life that are just hard, hard for us to, uh, to break and get out of the habit of. But this morning, we're going to talk about an area in our life that just kind of seems to get worse for some reason when we become believers. We're talking about an area in our life that can somehow we struggle as particularly as Christians with and a bad habit or a bad characteristic that we as believers, as a group, tend to have a reputation of having. And we're going to see the disciples struggle with it. And we're going to see what Jesus tells us of how they can overcome it. So as we read these verses this morning, I want us to wrestle in our heart. Do we have this fatal Characteristics still living in our hearts and our life. And if we do, we ask the Lord to show us a better way. Let's read the book of Luke, chapter 9, beginning with verse number 51, where we read this. It says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. And he went and entered the village of, uh, of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Why is it, believers, that we struggle so much with a judgmental attitude? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, and how it guides us. Lord, and as we read verses that challenge us challenge us in our heart to show areas of our life, Lord, that we need to change. Lord, I pray that we receive your word and we ask the help of the Holy Spirit that we become more like you in each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I think that truly to understand the full impact of this verse or this uh, passage of Scripture, we need to understand some of the things or uh, some of the events that's happened just over the course of a week or so in the life of these uh, these disciples. And I want us to think back to the feeding of the 5,000 and how Jesus uh, looked at the disciples and he said, for you give them something to eat. And they all were just confused and they all were certain that they weren't able to meet this need, and they lacked the spiritual prowess to be able to to do this. And they started thinking about the the human ways of of paying for it. And they really didn't understand what Jesus wanted them to do in the feeding of the 5,000. And all of them were just looking at each other, saying, well, you do something, you do something. And they they just really didn't think they had what it took to be able to feed that group of 5,000. And then we hear about the struggles when Jesus came down from the mountain and there was his disciples and a sick and a man and a boy that was demon possessed was uh, brought to them and they tried to to cast out the demons and they couldn't because their spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ wasn't up to date. They weren't maintaining their prayerful relationship with Jesus Christ. They were slacking in their prayer time they were slacking in their scripture study study time and so they were unable to do this but then we come to this and jesus is now with his face firmly and his eyes firmly set that he's going to go to jerusalem that his time was coming that he was going to do what it was here what he was sent here to do and so he's going from galilee And he's going down to Jerusalem. And as you know, he's got to pass through Samaria. And so on his way, he's going to go and he's going to try to uh, preach to those people. And so he sends some of his disciples ahead of him to prepare the way to make arrangements, to find a place to stay, to let everybody know that Jesus is going to come. And they go and the city says, look, we don't want Jesus here. We don't want any part of what it is that you're going to do. And so they rejected Jesus. And then here comes James and John. Nobody asked them. Jesus didn't hint as to where uh, that he would want them to do this. They just volunteered to do this. They said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and just consume them? And not only were they volunteering of it, not only were they certain that this is what needed to be done, but they were very confident in their power, in their authority to be able to do this. They were so tentative and so reluctant to feed the people. They were so tentative and so neglecting of their personal prayer life with Jesus but they were so, so ready to call down the fires of judgment on somebody. Now, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like our heart? We're so slacking, and we're so neglected, and we're so unwilling to go out and do something for Jesus, but we're ready to call down the fire, aren't we? We're ready to bring down the judgment. We're ready to talk about how bad they are, We're ready to talk about what they want to get. And we're just ready to bring down the fire. We're pretty confident in our abilities to do that. But what Jesus wants us to understand is that if we really want to be his disciple, we have to lose our judgmental attitude. How many of you, have a judgmental attitude? Or maybe the better question is, how many of the people next to you have a judgmental attitude? Maybe, maybe we can answer that question a little bit better. But it's just always the same the way that we are. You know, we'll just go to the store, or better yet, the best place to go to judge people is at the fair, because you see all kind of crazy people at the fair. You look at them, look, buddy, you see what they're wearing, you see who they're with, you see what they're doing, buddy, and you talk about, man, how uh, lost they are. You talk about how bad they are. You talk about how bad their parents they are. We just kind of look, and we just we just judge people. And that's just the way that we are. And we just have that tendency to where we want to talk about people. And we want to look at the world, and we want to talk about what it is that they're supposed to get. It's just so instinctively for us. To have that judgmental attitude where we think that it's our personal responsibility to bring about punishment on other people. But notice when Jesus, or uh, when Jesus hears this statement, when they say that they're ready to bring judgment and fire, that they want these people incinerated, they want these people burnt up, they want a penalty habit that they would dare reject. Jesus. And notice what Jesus says. Notice what Jesus does. And the scripture says that he rebuked them. He said, no. He said, no. That's not what we're supposed to be about. And in uh, in some manuscripts, we have uh, what this rebuke actually was. And it reads something like this. And he said, you do not uh, know what matter of spirit you are of, for some For the Son of Man come out and destroy people's lives, but to save them. And whether or not that was uh, in the original or not, it definitely would represent the sentiment of what Jesus' rebuke would have been because he wanted them to know that that judgmental attitude, that level of judgment did not represent what Jesus Christ was here to do because Jesus didn't come here to bring forth judgment. Jesus came upon this earth to bring forth salvation, to bring forth hope. And we hear Him talking about not bringing down judgment and not bringing about fire, but we hear Jesus talking about wanting to find the lost sheep. We hear about Jesus wanting to find the prodigal. Jesus wanting to find the lost. Jesus wanting to find those who have been marginalized. Jesus is coming and looking for the least of these and warning them and letting them know about the impending judgment and about the sin that they have in their life and the need that they have for Jesus, and the need that they have for salvation. And it's good to know, it's good to know that Jesus doesn't, when we reject him, Jesus doesn't, when we disobey him, just strike us down with all fire and brimstone. Because if Jesus knocked us down, everybody, everybody, with fire and brimstone that ever reject him and ever disobeyed him. Gary would just be sitting in church all by himself because the rest of us would be gone. But praise be the Lord that Jesus came not to bring judgment, but rather Jesus came to bring salvation. And so he wants us to know that judgment wasn't in his message here upon this earth, nor is judgment our purpose here upon this earth. It's not our uh, responsibility to to bring about punishment for people for their sins. It's not our responsibility to bring forth the kingdom of God. It's not our responsibility to take out all the print, uh the powers and principalities. Our job is to testify. Our job is to be a witness. But the Lord says, the judgment is coming. But it's coming from the Father, and the Father will bring it. It's not our responsibility. We're not like all those uh, the Muslims that are over there. You know them Muslims. I don't know why anybody would be a Muslim, because they got a pretty weak God. Because Muslim is an honor religion. Because they have jihad. Their God wants there to be all the world under his law and his authority. But it's the people's job to bring it about. And that's why they go bombing. And that's why they go kidnapping. And that's why they go... That's why they go shooting, because they know or they feel that it's their responsibility to bring about the kingdom of God. It's their responsibility to bring out the punishment for the infidel sins. But us, we don't have a weak God. We have a mighty, powerful God. And when he wants to bring about judgment, he does it himself. If Jesus wanted someone zapped down and judge, God will take care of it. When it's time for him to bring about the kingdom of God, he's not going to ask us to mount up with our big old safe of guns. He's not going to ask us to go about there to do it. He's just going to ask us to sit by and watch while he, with just the power of his voice, brings the forces of Satan and evil to an end and brings about his kingdom. The Lord handles the judgment it's our job to be the witnesses. It's our job to spread his kingdom by letting the people know about their sin and bringing them about the saving relationship with God. Because it's the Lord's will that no one should perish. It's the Lord's will that no one would pass through this fire. That's why this world is still going on. That's why it seems like the Lord is just delaying and wasting his time because the Lord is not delaying. The Lord is just wanting to hold on a little bit longer so more people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the heart of Jesus, not to bring about judgment but rather to bring about confession and conversion and salvation. So judgment is not in the heart of the purpose of Christ, neither should it be us. But judgment also takes us away when we look about having a, judgment, a judgmental attitude other of, uh, of uh, other people. It takes us away from what, our perspective should be on, and our perspective should always be in a constant examination of ourselves in our life. When was the last time you judged yourself? When was the last time you looked in the mirror? Think about all the things that you're doing wrong because I bet you if you look in the mirror, you're like me when I look in the mirror. Well, first of all, when I look in the mirror, I got to get a new mirror because I break that mirror and if I look in the mirror and I think about all the things that I've done wrong, I'll always come up with a list longer than all the things that I can think about what you've done wrong. Because why I can only see in the superficial things of what you do, when I look at my life, I see my heart, I see my attitude, and I see my motivations, and I see how cruel and how... Uh, unloving that I can be sometimes. Sometimes I can even do something right and I can do it wrong because there was anger in my heart, because there was jealousy in my heart and there was envy in my heart. And so the Lord says, look, y'all don't worry about judging him over here and worrying about punishing him here. You need to look at your own life. You need to examine where you are in Christ. And in these verses, he would challenge uh, James and John and the other disciples to remember back in Luke chapter 6 with a sermon on the plain where he says this. It says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, passed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. If you judge people with scrutiny, if you judge people with a lack of mercy, the Lord will judge you in the same way. When you look at other people and you point the finger and you talk about all the things that they've done and what should need to happen to them because of the things that they have done, what you're really doing is condemning yourself. Because you set the standard, if you do X, then this is what happens to you. And so the Lord would say, well, you've done X too. So you've already told me what I should do to you. And so the Lord says, look, with a measure, you give it to somebody, it'll be measured back to you. And so if you measure people and if you give to people with judgmentality and with a lack of mercy, and with harshness, then that's the way the Lord will treat you. But if you regard people with a sense of mercy and understanding and forgiving, then the Lord will act with mercy and forgiveness to you. What would it be like? What would it be like if the Lord treated you in the way that you treated other people? Because that's what he's asking us to do. Is asking us to look in our heart and saying, look, if you're going to show a lack of compassion for those people, then I will show a lack of compassion for you. We're so grateful that the Lord has shown us mercy. We're so grateful that the Lord is patient with us in our stubbornness, in our hard-headedness, in our laziness. Shouldn't we also be grateful that the Lord would show patience and mercy to those of us who are around us? He went on to say in the Sermon on the Plain, talked about an analogy that he also used in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about, hey, you're trying to get that speck out of your brother's eyes. You need to look at yourself because you've got a whole beam up in your eye. And you need to first take care of that beam that it's in your eye, and then you'll be able to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. The Lord doesn't want us to judge others. The Lord wants us to first look in our hearts, to look at our flaws, and to see how the grace of God has worked in our life. And with a measure to that we see the grace that God would work in our life, that we would be gracious to other people. The Lord was merciful on this sinner. And he sent his son, and he revealed himself to me, and I received salvation. And since the Lord has forgiven me, shouldn't we desire that the Lord would also forgive those around us that were so quick to judge? Paul gives us a good way of thinking. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and um, in verse number 2, I mean in verse number uh, 3, it says, "...but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I do not judge, uh, thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time." before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart and each one will receive his condemnation from God. We look forward a lot of times to the judgment. But I remember the words of Amos when he said, look, you fools, why are you looking forward to the day of the Lord, because don't you know it's going to be the day of darkness? Don't you know it's going to be gloom? Don't you know it's going to be a hard thing? And we look forward in a lot of ways, but I just want to think what it would be like as we sit before the Lord, as he exposes the thoughts and the secret deeds and darkness that are in the hearts and our lives. I know a lot of times you like to go to the beauty shop and you like to go to the barber shop because that's where we get to catch up on the gospel when everybody's done. And everybody likes to hear about all the things about who's with who and what's going on. But just imagine all the people that you know sitting around you as the Lord exposes the deeds and the actions of our hearts and the things that we have done in darkness, and in that time, wouldn't we want to have mercy? And if we desire mercy for ourselves, shouldn't we desire mercy, our hope for mercy for everyone else? So how do we handle rejection? How do we people, how do we handle people when they do us wrong? How do we handle when people, reject the message of Jesus Christ. And even when we present it to them, they revile us or they turn us away or they say that they don't want to hear it. How do we handle if we can't do judgment? If we can't say, Lord, I just wish you would bring hellfire and brimstone on that person. If that's not the answer, then what should I do in those times of rejection? You should do what it is that Jesus did when he was rejected by that Samaritan village. And what did he do? He moved on. He moved on. And isn't that the hardest thing for us to do sometimes? Is just kind of let it go and move on. To realize that some things are beyond our control. Some things are just not our responsibility. But sometimes we just need to move on. And what allowed Jesus to not linger, to not take it personally, that rejection? What allowed him to be able to move on from that and to go on to something else? Well, we're here in the beginning of that scripture because it tells us what he did that he made up his mind and that he set his face to grow towards Jerusalem. What was that saying? is that God had told him that he was to go to Jerusalem. And so he set his gaze and he set his eyes to go to Jerusalem. And he wasn't going to allow this little rejection. He wasn't going to allow this little hit of the ego interfere with them, but he was just going to keep on marching on to where God had told him to go and let God handle the rest. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 Talks about that we should put aside all the weights and let go of the sin that so easily entangles us and run the race that the Lord has set before us with the eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He wants us to run the course that he's set for us to do. He wants us to do the things that he has called us to do. He wants us to be his witnesses. He wants us to live a life for him. He wants us to tell other people about Jesus. And so we are to be busy about doing our job and allow the rest for the Father to do his. Our responsibility it's not to bring about judgment. Our responsibility is to be his witness. Our responsibility is to bring about that witness. Our responsibility is to make his name known. Our responsibility is to purify ourselves more and more into the image of God until the one day the Lord comes and he makes everything right. And Lord, don't we hasten the day where he comes. But in knowing that judgment is coming, we're grateful for the age of grace where everyone can come, where everyone is called to repentance and salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let it be our mission to bring others, others into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's too late. But we'll never do that. But we'll never do that if we have the judgmental attitude. If we take on the minds of the Pharisees who says, you know what, this person's a tax collector. They're beyond the love of God. This person's a prostitute. They're beyond the love of God. This person of another race. They're beyond the love of God. This person's done this. They're beyond the love of God. The Lord has come, and he's offered salvation, and you and I have received it. He has shown us great mercy. Why should we withhold that mercy from everyone else. Let us be doing the work of the Father. Let us keep our eyes fixed on what He's called us to do, not allowing sin, not allowing the weights of the world, nor our judgmental hearts. Keep us from letting everyone know the love that the Son showed for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love that even while we were still sinners, you died for us. But Lord, I pray this morning that we'll search our heart to see if we've been withholding that love from those around us because of what they've done done to us or because of who they are or what we think about them. Lord, convict our hearts and show us where we've been judgmental and open our eyes to see That your love is for the whole world, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.